boom, coming in on a Friday, Chinchy. First off, happy St. Patty's Day to all the Irish out. You got any Irish? Is there any Irish in the Chinchimino? Yeah. My mother's, uh, my mother's mother, Maggie, her maiden name is, is uh, O'Brien. Okay. Mar- okay. Margaret O'Brien. Let's go. So I'm about 25%. Little known fact, dude. St. Patrick was, a, <laughs> Patrick little was little Italian. You. Did you know St. Pat- Patrick was Italian? Come on, bro. Let's let's stop with that. Are you serious? Google it. You want me to f- I have it? I have it here. Come on. Come on. Hold on. St. Patrick. No, it's not true. <laughs> it's funny you say that because somebody sent me something today and it was people's reactions to finding out. You, Ita- you Italians try to take everything from everybody. You know what I mean? You try to all the all the good food, all the good. What does that say? When Irish people, <laughs> what is it? Find out St. Patrick's was Italian. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! This That's is from good, somebody. This is, this, is, this is the type of things I follow on Instagram. This is from somebody named Long Island Italian. <laughs> okay, there you go. There you go, dude. I tell you what, though, St. Patty's Day as a big leaguer, dude, is one of the best days because we bring out the green hats. So oh, yeah. St. Patty's Day, we bring out the green hats, Bernie Stowe, Rick Stowe, you know, our clubbies that get it out, you know, got the good old Irish in them. But we'd, you know, we'd wear the uh, wear the green hats, and I think everybody loved this. So it was incredible. Yeah, that's but, good. Yeah, aren't you? Irish like baseball, you? dude. And also my man, John Fitzgerald and uh, and and Sean Clancy. Don't 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 sleep on the Irish, dude. We might be in the w- next WBC. Let's go. And I'm, I'm going to be trying to be the Mark the Rose of Ireland, try to come you in and be the manager. It? Hey, we'll see. If you manage. Some good Irish, some good Irish players out there. Do you think he'd be a good third base coach? Yeah, <laughs> I do. It's not I an do. easy job. No, no, no. That's it's nerve wracking, dude. Being no, the, being the like, third base coach is uh, it's uh, it's dicey. You know what it's like? It's like being an offensive lineman who you don't hear anything about until they miss the block that gets the quarterback sacked. That's exactly the same thing. Larry right, Bow, like, Larry Bow is one of the best ever, right? Oh, Larry Bo is the best, and Larry Bo, you have to kind of have that uh, that framework. To, like you don't give a crap either. You 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 know you're at third base to make decisions. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, like you got to make it. You know, it's a split second. You're a place. You're basically the tenth player. Mm-hmm. You're another player on the. If you're the third base coach, if you're the first base coach, you're like, hey man, get your signs. I got the clock on it. What the pitcher's going to home? Give me your batting gloves. You know what I mean? Right. Don't get picked off and make me look like an idiot. If you're a right. third base coach, you're another player, dude. You're coming down the line. You're making reads. There's technique to it. You know what I mean? So yeah, being a third base coach is a yeah. It's not like, like I said. It's another. It's a, such an important piece of when yeah. you a good third base coach can win you games, and a bad one will can lose you some games. Yeah, that's a good one. And also, first base coaches, the batters, the the, the guy who's running to first can see what's going on. When oh, you're yeah. running around second and going to third, you it's just a circle of trust between you and the third base coach because you're not looking. Because once you yeah look, yeah, yeah. You lose a step. Pick them up. Yeah, pick up the third base coach. Yeah, to pick third base up. coach yeah. breakdown. On a, we didn't even know we were doing that. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't want to call this a silver lining, but Edwin Diaz, uh, we found out the, the insurance covers him. The WBC. A t- torn patella tendon, right? Torn yeah, patella terrible. tendon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, since we were on yesterday. I mean, Yeah, going to miss eight months out for the year. I love Buck Showwater's reaction, bro. A couple things here. Buck Showwater was like, hey, listen, you know, First off, we're worried about Edwin Diaz, the human being. Is he going to be okay? Looks like he's going to be okay. Okay, now let's look at the Mets. You know, he goes back to last year. He's like, listen, at the end of the day, Taiwan Walker was hurt. DeGrom was hurt. Scherzer was hurt. I mean, missed substantial time. He went down this whole list of guys. It was like 10 dudes that were integral parts of the team. And he's like, 
And Verlander had a good quote too. And he said, Hey, listen, this is the big leagues. This is such a grind. You have to sustain major injuries to one or two guys a year to get to the, to win the world series. You know what I mean? It's, it's very tough sport where a lot of guys aren't going down throughout the year. You know, it's a 27-man roster. You're using 35 to 40 guys a year with guys coming up, going down, pitchers going down. So, you know, Diaz going down is a huge blow to the Mets, but they did sign Dave Robertson. Uh, Zach Britton is still out there. Uh, Adovino has been a closer. They have guys that have closed ball games before. So they did a great job. Billy Epler and and Stevie Cohen did a great job of depth. You want to win in the big leagues? You better have depth. And they have depth even before Edwin Diaz got hurt. So I'm glad he's going to be okay. That knee, it's not his shoulder or anything like that. He's going to come back. And I just love how the Mets are reacting. And they're also, like you said, Chinch, because of the insurance policy of the WBC, this is one of the, this is one of the things that allows teams to let their players go out and play is they're off the hook. If these players get hurt at the WBC, it's not, now not on the Mets and on, the, on the, all these teams. It's on the insurance of Major League Baseball. So Stevie Cohen, those guys that uh, won't have to pay the $18.6 million to Edwin Diaz this year, the insurance will pay it. And they can also that also opens up some money. I don't know how much more money they could spend, but you know, Stevie Cohen's probably like eighteen point six. What can I do with that? Yeah, exactly. We were talking <laughs> about it before we came on. I mean, don't don't fret, Mets fans, because you have George Steinbrenner on roids here, right? And Steve right, Cohen, right. you telling me right. if they're not if they're not exactly where they want to be at midseason trade deadline time, and and they need a closer, you don't think he's going out and getting a number? He won't care. He'll do it. He'll refurbish the team next year. He won't care about giving up prospects, I bet. Yep. No, we're winning the World Series this year. That's what you got. That's right. what Mets fans be very excited about this owner, I, I think, personally. Yeah. Well, do you see, and also some of his quotes, he said, uh, hey, listen, when I'm all in, I'm all in. He goes, when I do something, I'm doing it all in. My chips are all, all in. And, you know, you got to love that, man. George Steimer is one of the greatest, you know, um, owners ever. And the fact that we're talking about Stevie Cohen, hey, at the end of the day, he's spending the money and he, and, and he's staying in the system. He's going over the tax. That's, that's what the system is. Yeah. You look at it, look at ownership in general. Like uh, you look at what Jerry Jones does with Dallas. Now they, they, they've been fighting to win for years, but Hey, they paid Dak. They paid Ezekiel Elliott. Guess what? They just cut Ezekiel Elliott. Like the yeah. big winners, the guys, if you own something, you, you own things, whatever you own, you want it to yeah. be the best product that you own. You paid for it. Yeah. And, and, exactly. And you have the right to to first, what is that called? The right to first denial, whatever. Refusal. Anyway, right, right to first refusal <laughs> of anybody that disagrees with you. <laughs> I don't think that, that, that doesn't play in this case, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, sticking with the WBC, there's like a couple other things going on here. Have you seen this Japanese? There's a player on Japan who's hitting bombs left and right. And uh, not named Otani? Not named Otani. I'm forgetting <laughs> his name, and I'm not going to say it because I'll probably screw it up anyway. But good points being made that they might be the team to beat right now. Oh, well, dude, and also, you know, you Darvish is stepping it up too. They got the, you know, having Otani and Darvish at the top of that rotation shoes. You know, another thing about them, Chinch, is that split finger. All the guys over in Japan have a split finger, right? You know, Senga's talking about he was not throwing it as much right now because he already throws it a lot. He's working on some other pitches that he's doing here in the States, and he's been pitching well for the Mets. But, and I think. If you haven't seen us, I know for me, I used to have a tough time against Hideo Nomo. He just was so, I mean, it was so nasty, dude. It would come in right down the middle. And you're like, wow, this is, it'll almost like Mariano Rivera's cutter. 
you look at Rivera's cutter, you go, wow, that's a four seamer. I can't believe he's throwing me a four seamer. He must, you know, not got the memo or something, you know? And then it would cut on you at, at, at that last second. That's why he was so nasty. The reason Nomo was so good is the split finger was so devastating late. Um, Otani threw a couple splits last night at 93 mm -hmm. that yeah. were just leaving team in Italy. I mean, incredible. Almost like an elevator. I saw it was like an elevator shot. Boom, bam, straight down, right? So, you know, I th you talk about Japan maybe being, hey, you know, the, that sleeper team that maybe one of the favorites. I, I think there's something about those guys, that split finger is such a big pitch over in Japan. Yeah, for a team like a, team like U.S. and these Puerto Rico, Dominican, we, they, they play in the big leagues. That's not a big pitch. It's a big pitch over there in Japan. I think that is a X factor as far as a short series goes, a WBC, where you might see this team one time. If you face them a few times, okay, you start getting a beat on it visually. But if you're facing them one time and it's, it's do or die, that splits a weapon. Yeah. Why do you think it went away? Was it an analytics thing? Like, were people not swinging at it? Like, it was so nasty back in the day. Like, you know, when you watch a pregame show, they'd be like, and you got to watch out for this guy's split finger. You right. Know? Right. Why, why do you think I think it's work? tough on the elbow, dude. I think it's a pitch that's tough on the elbow. You know, you got you you're spreading your fingers out so much, and you know you're throwing it like a fastball. And I just think there's something to be said about, you know, the 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 torque it puts on your on your UCL. I really think that's a factor why why it's kind of gone away. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, this memory stuck in my head. This was like in the '80s, and I remember the 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 Yankees were playing. I think he was he was on Texas at the time. But remember Doug Jones? Yeah, Jones a pitcher. Yeah, he wanted to get his splitter better, so they showed this this shot. It was just a still shot. He was taking a softball and putting it between his fingers, <laughs> so he could basically <laughs> destroy the the what do you call those the tendons or ligaments in yeah. here, so that his two <laughs> mega these two front fingers could get in there. Could get in there. Isn't that crazy? People do, man. What well, you guys do Incredible. in sports? Incredible. Like, yeah, you do whatever it takes. You got to. You got a short window, bro. You do whatever it takes for that window. <laughs> yeah, remember Ronnie Lott cut a finger off the plane. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Come on. Dude, when That's I had this much. I don't think I was Chinch, when I had this finger, the mallet finger, I swear to God, I was thinking, Ronnie Lott cut it off and played a freaking <laughs> game the rest of his career. I was like, I gotta get a hold of myself. And I'm like, well, I'm not in the NFL and I don't really care. I gotta get my finger better. <laughs> but you're <laughs> the NFL. Hey Ronnie, you can go back into the game or you can't play the A the NFC championship game or you can cut your finger. I was like, cut my finger off. <laughs> cut it, coach. <laughs> Cut, what is it? Cut me, Mick. Cut me, Mick. <laughs> Cut me, Mick. Um, wait, there was one. Oh, dude, there's this other story that you were locked in on. Oh, man. I, I remember years ago when we were talking about the pine tar with the pitchers and this and that. Now, th this is like kind of like, it's like uh, we said 2.0. This is like 2.0 of that right now. What's going on? You're yeah. fired up about this topic. You want to you wanna walk us through what this one well, is? Well, you know what? They're, they're upping it. They're, they're upping the ante again. I guess a letter went out to um, 30 of the teams, all 30 teams, to say this year the umpires are going to even enforce, you know, looking for any substance on, your on the pitcher's body. I guess last year they started following there was an inning they would check them. So they might check them in the third or fourth, and the pitchers knew – so they, they start to think that some of the spin rate would go up in the innings that they didn't see that they knew they weren't going to get checked. So I think that was one of it. And I think the other thing is baseball, Major League Baseball is doing a lot to try and get offense to come back in the game, balls put in play, right? And, the, and so they, you know, they, they put the pitch clock in to speed things up. They made the bases bigger to, uh, you know, to, to get more action. They took the shift away, you know what I mean? So they want more action. And I think the one thing you started to look at, the spin rate was so much higher 
right before they started um, addressing that and checking these pitchers, right, for Pine Tar or Spider Tack or whatever those guys were using, the Manny Moda stick. Um, and so I think what they found last year is that they could see it kind of going up on some starts and not on, on others. And I think they're just up in the ante because I think they're thinking to themselves, we're making all these changes in the game to, to get more balls in play. And if guys are still able to use this spider tack and all that stuff uh, and kind of beat the system, it's going to defeat all the changes that they just made in the, in the rules changes. So they're going to up the ante this year with checking pitchers. They're going to, and they're now allowed chinch to check your hand, to check your, you know, your on your body kind of going to another level. So that'd be interesting, interesting to see, um, you know, what happens. I, you know, it's funny, dude, I won't, I'm not going to mention names, but guys, when I was playing, we're always looking to, you know, pitchers were always looking to have that advantage, you know? So I always, I can only, only think they're still looking to have an advantage, even though, you know, you could bend the rules a little bit, kind of get around them. But I remember a guy would use pine tar on his, on his, uh, on his, you know, uh, wherever on his belt or his hat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it started to become so noticeable. And then one day I'm out in BP, we're, we're talking out in the outfit. He's like, case, check this out. And he go, and he grabs it. And he goes, touch my fingers. And I touch his fingers. I'm like, Whoa, he was putting pomade on his neck. What? So it was clear. So he would take like pomade hair solution. Oh my God. Hair gel. And he would put it on his neck. And then with the sweat would hit it, would, it would make it so tacky, but you couldn't see it. Oh, so that's like the guy from a, to, the old guy, the old guy it. from uh, from Major League. Major League, yeah, yeah, B- Bardall, Vagisil, <laughs> but you remember, whatever it remember, takes. Remember, so you'd almost you'd almost have to touch his neck to see that it was something. That's interesting. Well, that's what the other guys do. Hey, when when Pedro had that really amazing Jerry curl going, you always saw him every once in a while doing this to his hair. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let me ask you a question. There, there there's two different things, like. There's cheating, you know, there's like spitballs, that's cheating. But then there's a whole major argument that hitters are like, hey, man, as long as he can grip the ball, I'd rather him grip the ball than not grip the ball. You think that's all horse bongo? Well, bro, listen, they have they have something to grip it. The rosin bag, it's been there for 100-some years. <laughs> yeah, if you get, by the way, the- Casey's face, he just got like mad at this thought. Like, you just got <laughs> mad at pitchers. You hate pitchers. All right, keep going, go. Well, dude, here's the deal. No, I don't hate pitchers, but here's the deal. You grab the rosin bag saliva to the rosin and a wipe dude you could take a ball and if you put it in there on your fingers you could hold that ball up with the rosin in it the the reason the spider tack is another level is because you can now grip that curveball and if i can if i can get that torque and spin it just a little bit longer with that spider tack holds on a little bit longer I can really get the revolutions that I want. I'm a different pitcher. I mean, guys mm. were talking a couple of years ago. I mean, remember Charlie Blackman saying, I've never seen anything like it. He goes, I'm swinging where I thought a slider used to be, and it's sliding twice. It's sliding, sliding. You know, some, we, yeah. some of the balls that were to me look like wiffle balls. These guys are already the best in the world. And, I would, you know, I would always say sometimes when we'd face like a nasty pitcher, Clemens, somebody like, you know, Pedro, Roy Halladay, and Ump would be giving them, you know, this much Maddox, this much off the bat. I go, hey, hey, hey. This guy doesn't need any help, bro. This guy's freaking the greatest in the world already. He doesn't need two inches off the off the plate, and that's the same thing I feel that most guy most hitters would feel like. Hey, man, these guys are the best in the world already. They are throwing hundred and three miles an hour now. They don't need to be throw me a curveball that I've never seen before because the revolutions like are you know are incredible. I got a conspiracy theory in my head right now. I blame analytics on this on this. Okay, and here's why. 
Okay. Back in your day, right? ERA, innings pitched, all that stuff. What are you getting paid for right now? What's his spin rate on his slider? What's his spin rate on his curveball? You're taking... There are teams that I guarantee are taking a spin rate guy over a feel guy any day of the week these days. So, you know, hey, you want to put some bucks in your pocket, you got to have the best spin rate. I need to get my spin rate up. That's what, you know, probably a high school I, kid is saying right now. I don't, I don't know. I, I agree. I think you're right on the money. And then, you know, when you talk about spin rate, one of the nastiest pitches you can throw with spin rate is the 12-6 curveball. Because of this, if I have velo and I'm a guy that, if I throw 95 to 98, which everyone does nowadays, and I can hit you in the top of the strike zone as a hitter, you know what I mean? I, I get you in the top of the strike zone. I'm in there, and I'm like, okay. And now I see velo that's at the top of the zone. Okay, my eyes tell me, okay, that's I got to get on top of that if the ump's going to call that. Now, if I can get the spin rate right with a 12-6 hook, I can let it stay up there. If it's spinning, it's going to stay up. It's going to come out and look like a fastball up. And, and if it can make those revolutions further down the way, my eyes visually tell me, oh, my God, it's a, it's a fastball up. And right when I go to swing, no, it's not. It's a 12-6 curveball. And, and then, that is the tough part as a hitter uh, when you start talking about spin rate, spider tack. I think that 12-6 curveball that these guys are throwing and sliders are at another level, and visually it's just so much harder to detect. Great one. Great point there. Okay, so here's a question for you. Was there ever a time where somebody threw a pitch where you turn to the ump and catcher and go, what? That's no. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> has that ever happened to you? You've seen it in the league here and there. Like, no, check him, check him. Or the, you know. I never, ne- ne- never checked anybody, but facing Greg Maddox was like that. You're like, this guy has to be, you know, he wasn't doing anything, but you thought he was because he just never seen a ball move the way it did. I'd never seen a, a right-hander throw me a pitch behind me or at <laughs> least at my butt cheek. And I'm like, Dear God, it's going to hit me. And then, bam, it would run like three feet, last second, strike three. You're like, that's incredible. Like, I, I remember when I first faced Maddox feeling like that, like looking at the umpire, like, really? Dude, one at bat. Oh, I got a great at bat. Go. Brad Lidge, bro. Brad Lidge. We're ta- we've been talking about the split finger, the slider. Brad Lidge, when he first came in the league, obviously um, came up with the Astros, closed with the Phillies, had that perfect save season, 40 saves, and they won it in, uh, in, in 2008, uh, right? Um, bro, when he first came up, his slider acted like a split finger. It was like 93, 94 miles an hour change. It was incredible. So he could throw 98, 98, 99 with a slider that was like 93. And it looked like a fastball, but it acted like a split. And I remember one time when Lidge first came up, Osmus was behind the dish. And I'm like, first pitch throws me up to it. I thought it would look like a heater right there. Wow. I swing and miss. I'm like, Whoa, that was incredible. So then, I, boom, same pitch again. Another slider. Looks like a split finger. Boom, swing and miss. Next pitch, 0-2 slider, swing and miss. I just looked at Osmus. So I walked off and go, you kidding me, bro? Are you kidding me with that? And he's like, he just started giggling. I'm like, yeah. that was unhittable. Uh-uh. It was the one time, him and Rob Nen. I faced Rob Nen one time. Another great story. So, Lidge, one, two, three, Rob Nen in San Francisco. I'm coming off the bench. Jack McKean's like, hey, Case, you're going to face Nen. I was like, hey, thanks for the day off. It's worked out well for me. When Nen was just punching tickets like you wouldn't believe. 
So I come in, and uh, and and they used to uh, play that. That uh, whenever the Giants would win, they'd play "Who Let the Dogs Out" right on the last out. So <laughs> right. last out, "Who Let the Dogs Out," who who, and the place would go nuts in San Fran. So I get in there, I'm facing Ned, dude, and I am grinding, dude. He's just he's throwing this slider that looked that acts like a split. Like only certain guys could do this, right? Uh, Smoltz, did it too. His slider looked like a split. It acted like a split. Mm. So I get there against Nan. I'm 0-2, bro. It's what a crazy. Nan, I swear to God, Nan pumps. He delivers. And right when he's right here, they start playing. Who oh, let the no dogs way. out? <laughs> <Yeah>, no <laughs> Didn't even throw the pitch. And I'm kind of like, my mind goes, what the? And then it was a slider. I swung and missed by 10 feet. And like, I walk away and the place is going, who let the dogs? I was like, you can't play that in the middle of a... They just knew that he was going to punch me out. <laughs> that is a great story. That is a good one. Well done. Well done. Oh, man. He was nasty, huh, Rob? Then? So, so nasty, dude. Yeah. So Especially in his prime. So nasty. God, what's it like when you're batting second and the, cl- and the guy comes in? The Mariano. You see him coming in. Do you even look? Do you even watch him warm? Like, what do you try to get your time? Yeah, man. But, but well, you're, you're like... Just, you're do- Bro, God. the biggest thing when you're on deck and you're facing like, you're facing anybody, but when you're when you're on deck, you know you got a you got a shot, a little bit of timing time. You know you're not on the plate, but I I would suggest to every young kid out there, every hitter, hey, when you're on when you're on deck, I got I got four pitches, I could time them up. You know what I mean? So especially when you're facing a guy like that, a Rivera, a Nen, a Lidge, and these guys in their prime, Billy Wagner. Hey man, any any edge I can get timing wise, I'm going to do it. I'm not in the box, but I am on deck. So. Anything you could do against those guys, bro, you're going to grind. You're probably not going to win, but you got to go in there and you got to be ready to you're, – you're, you're a big league ball player. you got to be ready to attack and, and, and play offense, you know, not defense. I, you know, this is, this is really quick. The last thing I want to say, I'm reading this book right now called Victory Favors the Fearless by Darren Donnelly. Guy's a great author, sports psychologist. And I was thinking of we, – we were talking about fear, how, how like at the end of the day – the only way to attack fear is with action and preparation. You better be ready to go. You better be confident in your skill. You better have put in the work when you know that, okay, I got a fearful situation coming, but I'm prepared and I need to take action on it, right? And I always think about, you know, we talk about the Buffalo story. The Buffalo's hurt up. They run right for the storm, right? They take action on the fear. They're confident because they've done it. They're prepared and they run for the storm. And the cattle in that same situation, they see the storm and they run in the other direction, right? And I always say this, listen, you want to you wanna attack fear in your life because we all get it in so many different situations, right? You want to attack fear in your life you gotta, you got to take action and play offense, not defense. Because if you don't chinch, fear will play offense and take action on you, right? So it's the yeah. reverse. So I, I love that, man. So when, you, when I faced a guy like Rivera and Nen and these guys, like I was prepared. I had put the swings in. I had lifted the weights. I mentally was ready. I, I, before the game, I was prepared, right? So when I faced those guys, hey, is it a fearful situation? We got 50,000 here at Yankee Stadium going nuts. I got the best closure on the mound. Yeah. But I'm, I'm playing offense, too. Like, I'm not sitting back and I'm not running. I'm playing offense. I'm prepared. I'm taking action. Let's go. Here's my, here's my you know, here's my setup. Here's my game plan that I'm prepared. Now, I might, I might win or I might lose. The result doesn't matter. But I'm ready to go, and the process is tight. I think that's a great thing with fear. Hey, man, you got to play offense and take action. Because if you don't, fear will take action on you with an offensive mindset. Whoa, the, s- on. the to- spirit of St. Patrick's got you today, Shawnee. <laughs> Holy sh- Nikes, man. 
Way to bring it today, Case. You're late for a meeting, actually. We're gonna yeah, I got out. a meeting at noon, but the Irish, we've had to fight our whole life, Chasey. We've had <laughs> yeah. to keep running, baby. We yeah. had to keep running. Got through that potato famine, and look, here we are on a, on a great <laughs> podcast. Hey, because, of, because of the potato famine, the, that's the only reason the Casey's are here. Two Casey boys back in the day, teenagers decided, we better start running and get the hell out of here because the potato famine's here. Let's go dominate in the yeah. States. You're that's welcome. why Sean Casey's yeah. here. You're welcome, Cincinnati. So yeah. St. Patrick is responsible for Sean Casey being one of the best hitters in Cincinnati baseball history. All right, dude, I get after it, man. Hey, happy St. Patty's Day to all the Irish out there, and obviously the Italians, the Italians. and anyone else out there that <laughs> celebrates St. Patty's Day. Let's go. Well, all right, Chance, love you, brother. Have a great weekend. Everyone out there, thanks for listening. Have an incredible weekend.